Beat the bullies. Laugh in the face of danger. Fight for truth. Going where no conservative has gone before. It's time for the Kelly Truth Squad with William J. Kelly. The Truth Squad's Week in Review begins right now. Welcome to the Kelly Truth Squad Week in Review. I am William J. Kelly. We have a ridiculously big show this week, so let's just get started. Headlines, guests, pundits, experts. It's uh, too much to even explain, so we're just going to have to get started. Buckle in. Stick with us here. We are joined, as always, uh, by the legendary Brian McCarthy, my uh, my trusted aide-de-camp, as they say. Um, he is the producer to the stars. Noti- Brian, notify the affiliates. We are going to be running over. There is no doubt in my mind. We've got way too much to cover here tonight. Um, if, uh, if for some reason, whatever affiliate you are listening to cuts us off, kellytruthsquad.com is where you can go for the full interview. Uh, this is the re- reason why our media empire is growing. Because, first of all, we work with only the best people like Brian. Thank you, Brian. And uh, also because we provide something that the mainstream media refuses, refuses to give the people of this, of this great country, the greatest country in the history of the world, a country I, I love, the United States of America. Uh, and that is the truth. The media today, the mainstream media is afraid of the truth. Why should they be afraid of the truth, Brian? Do you have any idea? I do not. <laughs> you don't know the answer. To that. I don't know the answer either. I don't know the answer either. But one thing is for sure, and that is that they refuse to tell the simple truth. Uh, but that's what uh, that's what we that's what, but it's actually provided quite the opportunity for us because we're devoted to telling the truth. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. Let the chips fall where they may. Okay, we're going to tell the truth, and um, and. And so, to a certain extent, the fact that there's this huge vacuum of uh, of truth, you know, a, a lack of truth in the media, has actually only helped us. So, thank you, mainstream media. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, the truth of the matter is uh, that we have with us a great guy, a funny guy. That's the other thing that we need more in the media these days. It's a little humor, and uh, I think both parties need to 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 appreciate the the value of humor okay he's a guy from chicago uh he's a, i if i i i, I want to get a little bit more into his, his background his history you know because because uh, i'm from chicago uh, you're you're from chicago too aren't you brian i am and um south side uh south side right south side Check, <laughs> checking in <laughs> there you go so i grew up on the south side of chicago as well which is why i can't talk but uh but you know what? I, I'm not going to let a little uh, a little obstacle like that stand in my way. No, no, sir. It's uh, it hasn't stopped. It hasn't prevented me from uh, from being on the radio in the past. But uh, so why should why should I why should I learn how to talk now, huh? Um. Well, anyway, do we have do we have Reggie with us? Reggie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What's going on? <laughs> Reggie is using his Barack Obama voice. Because Barack, no, <laughs> because Barack Obama, he said that he was going to create jobs. And I do know one thing is for sure. He has, he has created at least one job for sure. And that is for a Barack Obama impersonator. 
um, named Reggie. Reggie Brown, how are you doing, brother? I'm awesome, man. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a Chi Town native too. Yeah. So I'm missing Chicago right now, man. Wow. So, what what part of Chicago did you grow up in? Well, I was born in Maywood, and then uh, grew up over off of uh, 3538 West 60th Street, and then lived off of 63rd and Kildare for a little while over by Midway, and uh, still got some family right in that general neighborhood, and um, then moved out to Bolingbrook, and after school came back down, and I was living downtown Chicago from the time I was 21 until I moved out here to Los Angeles two years ago. I love it. I love it. I, and I especially love the, you know all the affiliates around the country, people listening, and, and, and thinking that every street in Chicago is just a random series of numbers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Where did you grow up? Oh, uh, 164, 59, 22. You know, it's like, what the hell is that? You know, but uh, anyway, well, very, very cool. And you've made, you've made some, some pretty crazy news of your own. Just, you know, yeah, as, as yeah, you were now let's set the, let, let's set the stage for, for, uh, for our listeners here. You were, hired as a Barack Obama impersonator to come out to a Republican Party event and uh, warm up the crowd, tell a few jokes. That's correct, sir. And all hell broke loose. <laughs> what? Say that again? And all hell broke loose. Yeah, well, it's funny because, you know, when the call came in, my manager, Dustin Gold, he's just like, we have this awesome opportunity the Republican Leadership Conference wants you down in New Orleans. And I was excited because we had just performed for the Republicans of San Diego County um, oh. a few weeks prior to that. And then the day beforehand, he's like, you're never going to believe this. You're going to be live on C-SPAN. So I was thinking, this is it. This Whoa. is the opportunity to kind of break out of, you know, where I'm, I've been known on the corporate comedy circuit for a while. That's what I've been doing. But I was still kind of flying under the radar, picking up roles here and there on television. So people were starting to figure out who I who I am. and. Sure. uh I just figured this was kind of a breakout performance opportunity, so we went down. Everyone was excited backstage. Charlie Davis was all geared up. He had his wife come take pictures of me. Everything was all fun, and everyone's like, I can't wait for you to get up there. So I go up there. I feel like I'm rocking it. The audience is really responding. Everything's going well. And, um, <laughs> I started in on the uh, Republican candidates, you know, first with my Romney joke, and you got a little oohs and ahs, and then some laughs, too. I mean, it was... And balance, and what but, is the Romney joke? If I may, may I make a request? Can I have uh, the? Can yes, I have? Can. May I please have uh, a uh, Barack Obama delivering delivering a Romney joke? If I may. Uh, well, listen. Yeah, uh, yes, you can. Now, <laughs> well, I said that I'm sure that one day Mitt Romney would make a great president, <laughs> along with his first lady, and second lady, and third lady. <laughs> So that kind of got him riled up, and uh, I think they're here. Um, excuse me, Reggie. Um, I have yeah. to inform you that we uh, have got to yank you from the program today. No, 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 don't go anywhere. We are we are going to run to a, a quick commercial. Can you please stick with us for uh, for one more segment? I'll always stick by you. Oh, thank you so much, brother. I will. We will be right back with more of Reggie Brown as Barack Obama, and much, much more. Never fear, William J. Kelly is here. 
More with the Kelly Truth Squad after this. Welcome back, Truth Squad. I'm William Kelly. We've got uh, Reggie Brown, the uh, Barack Obama impersonator who has made quite quite <laughs> quite the headlines. Uh, we also have PJ O'Rourke on uh, on hold. We'll uh, we'll get to PJ uh, in a little bit here, but uh, but Reggie, are you there? Yes. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> you were you were uh, in the middle of uh, of stirring up controversy, a firestorm oh, of yeah, controversy. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah, so the Romney joke went over and then, you know, started in on uh, Palenti and uh, Ingrid, and then I got into my boxing joke, and I was one line in, and I started hearing the, like, silent horns, you know, these <laughs> soft horns playing in the background, and kind of <laughs> came up on me Oscar style, and then I tried to deliver my joke, and my mic cut out and came back in, and then um, the gentleman came up on stage, told me my time was up, I thanked the audience, backstage and you know they told me my time was up i thought that was honestly why i was taken off the stage or and right because um, they said things were going to be tight around there and they had been um all weekend for everyone to get their slots and, sure um then uh you know went back everyone's oh you did great you did great and even when um i got um outside of the uh the conference all the people were like oh my god why'd they pull you off stage you were hilarious i'm <laughs> like oh it's just the time thing is you know, I was over my time, and, oh, you're so funny, you're the best part of the conference, and that was awesome to hear, because I was a surprise guest there, and I, you know, people really weren't planning on seeing me there, and then, um, glad I could liven things up and do the job I was paid to do, and, yes, you know, then I get home to the hotel room, and all these articles start popping up online, like, one after another after another, <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, what's going on? And, and Reggie, kind of spun out of control. I have to say, you handled that situation with such class uh you know that's what really blew my mind because you didn't really know i mean well first of all it sounds like you know in your mind you, you thought that it really was just a time thing but uh but the way you were like thank you thank you for having me god bless you god bless america you know that was that you know you know that was really for me that was that you know that just showed a lot of class on your part thank you you yes. know and i really appreciate that it means a lot to uh to hear it because I do. I, I make a conscious effort to, you know, be a good person pretty much <laughs> right. all the time. And I, I just went there and did my And uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And thank God that it did spark the controversy because it's given the world the opportunity to know who I am. And yes, um, I've been getting you know, calls and letters and things. I'm not joking all around the world. You know, Japan, <laughs> uh, London, Chile, like everyone who now knows who I am, so I thank the Republican Leadership Conference yeah. and Charlie Davis for inviting me down and, you know, for everything that happened, because it couldn't have been better for business. You know something, Reggie? That, that is such an incredibly important point that you make right now, is that sometimes in life, it's the adversity, it's the it's the fire that uh, tests somebody and and causes them to actually be successful where other where if they had just had a comfortable life or an easy life or something handed to them they wouldn't have risen to the top you know when you think of you know Ronald Reagan you know here's a guy he had a very similar oddly enough situation where uh, where he was at a debate and they wanted to cut off his mic and and uh, and he actually stood up and he, he took the microphone in his hand and he said Mr. Chairman, I'm paying, or actually, let me let me try. Well, Mr. Chairman, 
I'm paying for this microphone. And, uh, and that was actually, yeah, well, uh, thank you very much. Um, and, uh, he, he actually, that was, that was actually a, a moment in his life and his career that turned, that was a turning point for him where people for the first time saw him as a leader because prior to that, they just thought of him as a very affable person. They knew him as an actor. You know, they looked at him as somebody that they liked, somebody who was articulate, yeah. somebody who was attractive, but couldn't really be president. He couldn't really, you know, stand up for himself under any actual adversity. Well, oddly enough, it was something as simple as saying, no, 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 no. You're not going to turn off my microphone. Uh, I'm going to, yeah. you know, I'm here. I paid for this. You know, I, I got dressed up in my, uh, in my prom outfit and, you know, I showed up today and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave until I say what I, I came here to say. You know what I mean? And, um, and, uh, and now I'm embellishing. He didn't actually say all of those things, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but it was, it was that, it was that, you know, they kind of turned the tide for him in his political career. Uh, so what have you been, I mean, what is, what is now you were recently on the Bill Maher show as a result of this. Yeah. And that's been a dream of mine for so long. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, uh, Bill Mars and, you know, real time and everything. Sure. And, um, I, I mean, his writing team is amazing and it was sure. just great to, I've been trying to get on that show for eight months. Well, you know, I, I've been, I've made him custom videos, you know, like, busting jokes and done everything I could to get on. And uh, Scott Stenholm, another Chicago who works on the show, he actually found me. I was outside the social network when I was in theaters. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, has anyone ever told you to like the president? And I handed him my business card, and he looked at it like, no way. He's like, I want to check everything I can do to you know, get you on, whatever. And then it just came to the point where it happened to be the top news story, you know, at that weekend. They dropped it on Bill in the meeting, and he's like, yes, I want him here. Get him here. And it was just great to have I respect respect me for something that I'm doing also. And uh, that was one of the best nights of my life, I got to tell <laughs> you. I, uh, it really was. I mean, they're so classy over there. You know, they, they flew me in, flew me back out to where I needed to be, and everything was just door-to-door service. They were so happy to have me there. I was extremely happy to be there. <laughs> when they announced that I was there to finish, you know, my jokes, the audience went crazy. I just absorbed the energy, shot it back out, and my family, friends, everyone, fans are all happy. You now, know, I'm happy. And now, you know, Reggie, was awesome. Bill Maher is coming to Chicago in, uh, in July, uh, you know, later, uh, later this month. If, um, are you, uh, now how often are you back in town? I was just home for my sister, uh, Janine. She graduated from Joliet Catholic, uh, this, um, you know, recently was that in May. So I was there for her. Um, graduation party about uh, three weeks ago. Really? And um, yeah, I was on WGN Morning News. Um, they're really cool. They always showed me love over there. Sure. Uh, and then did a few things around town, caught up with friends and family, and then bounced back out. But I'm going to be in Chicago, I think, on the 14th of July. No uh, way. Coming up. Well, then I would, we need to have you live in the studio. We need to take you, uh, like, uh, we do a bunch of segments. Uh, you know, we do the below the beltway segments. Uh, we could, you know, take you out on the street and and uh, do some interviews with, you know, with uh, with some uh, real Chicagoans. What do you say? That would be fun, I, and I really do hope I have the time because when I come home, it kind of you know sucks now when uh, <laughs> it's just business because I can't see all my family, all my friends, and get the job done. You know, yes. and it, coming home, it's such a tease because I mean, you talk about the greatest. You're talking about the greatest in the world, the United States, greatest city in the world is Chicago. 
you know, and I always eat everything when I come home, yeah. you know, stuff myself, get my Garrett's popcorn the second I get off the plane, you know, then I get my Al's beef, Blue Malnati's all stuff and make my way around so uh um, reggie here's the deal you know, i hope i have time you know i'm uh, i'm writing for the washington times as you know i also write for the spectator what i'd love to do is a pro is a, a profile piece of you your experience and um and kind of follow you around you know kind of you know reggie brown chicago uh i'll tell you what if, if it does that sound like something you might be interested in Oh, of course, absolutely. Well, well then I'll tell you me? what. Let's do this, Reggie. Can you stick? Can you stick around for one more segment? One more segment? Yeah, of course. Okay, brother. Uh, we will be right back with uh, with Reggie Brown, Chicago's uh, very own uh, Barack Obama impersonator, and uh, much, much more after this. I hope PJ O'Rourke is still on hold. He is. He's holding patiently. Welcome back, Truth Squad. I'm William Kelly. And uh, you know something very exciting? We've got uh, Kelly Truth Squad TV coming soon. We are in full production and uh, syndicating. And it sounds like we're going to be one of our very first episodes will be Reggie Brown as Barack Obama and as himself. Reggie, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. (laughs) Thank you. uh, So uh, so, uh, July 14th. We are going to follow you around with the, uh, the Kelly Truth Squad uh, TV crew, and uh, we're going to write it up for the Spectator. All right, now double check with Dustin. Oh yeah, schedule's open, please. Before <laughs> I, I say I can't for sure because he knows my schedule better than me. Well, Dustin is awesome. Crazy. I'm telling you, man, uh, you've got you've got the right uh, uh, promoter, manager, PR guy. Because uh, I've got about 50 emails in my uh, on my iPod from from Dustin. Uh, Dustin's insane. He is awesome. <laughs> um, he is. Hey, can I ask you to do me a, a huge favor for the show here? Um, you can, can ask. <laughs> there you go. Uh, if can I did. Um, could you do like a promo or two for us uh, for the Truth Squad? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, should I feed you the line? Uh, well, are these the lines we were talking about in email? Or uh... yeah, let's let, let's do it. Um, I'll tell All you right. what. We, we, should we? Uh, let's just work our way down the list here, and you tell me which one. Uh, which one? Um, how about? Uh, hey, Barack Obama again. You know, uh, President of the United States, something like that. You just want me to go into B. You want me to start with A and then uh, go all the way down. You know, I'll, well, yeah. Let's start with the first one, and then we'll work our way down, and then and then okay. we'll uh, then we'll let the listeners uh, decide which one they like the best. Sounds good. Here we go. Hey, I'm President Barack Obama, and I'm telling you, whatever you do, do not. And let me be clear: do not listen to the Kelly Troop Squad. I know where you live. Okay. Right, cool. Well, that that is definitely good. That that's a good one. Um, it's, right, it makes uh, makes the, pros, the president sound a little ominous, though. So I don't know. Maybe we need a. Uh, let's try a different one. And you know what? If it, if it helps too, we can do these on. I can um, record them on my uh, 
in my little studio and send you the MP3 files or something if you need any clarity. You know, if that there helps you go. You. You, Brian, um, you you have just won the uh, the respect and the uh, love of uh, our the legendary uh, Brian McCarthy, our uh, producer. So, but but yeah. no, just for the sake of the just for the sake of the segment, the show here, uh, let, let's uh, let's do a few more. Okay. Hey, Barack again. You know, President of the United States. I thought I told you not to listen to the Kelly Truth Squad. What are you doing? <laughs> and see. Okay. Okay, it's Barack. And I see still listening to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth and Broadcasting Network. Thanks a lot, people. <laughs> I think I will use that one as my uh, my incoming uh, voicemail message. <laughs> 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 The Truth in Broadcasting Network. Um, all right. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. This is, um, you know, your story. I, I'm very, very happy for you. You know, you're you're a funny guy. Did you when you were in Chicago? Did you uh, did you uh, go to Second City? Did you do any of the uh, the stand up clubs, uh, Zanies, I anything like that? Took, um, took classes at the acting studio, voiceover training, uh, yes. camera, and a couple technique classes, and. Unfortunately, I didn't, and that was something I always wanted to do at Second City, Chicago, but, you know, with uh, coming up as a, you know, starving, struggling artist, like right. a lot of people, you know, you don't really have the funding for for that, so, um, you know, I, I moved out here, took some classes at the Second City, L.A., and, um, you know, just worked really hard to develop this character, and uh, then... Um, I mean, I, I've had formal training. I had private acting coaching and things like that, and I continue to uh, to study and do new techniques and classes as well. So it's always something where you know, in any field, you get better and continued education or anything like that. So well, there's Reggie, a lot more to come in and out of character, and absolutely. it's going to be an awesome year. I can definitely tell you this. Uh, I was in the conservatory at Second City for a while. I know the people over there. I guarantee you that uh, that that we can work it out. Where we can bring the uh, Truth Squad, you know, TV production crew uh, to Second City and get you on the main stage at Second City on the 14th. There's no doubt in my oh, mind that'd we can be make. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be amazing. They're they're doing. They've got a show up now um, that uh, obviously ha- has a a Barack Obama themed show, and uh, uh-huh. I, I I cannot imagine them not wanting to uh, have uh, our show and our cameras and and you. Uh, the 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 number one preeminent Barack Obama impersonator um, in the entire world yes. that we know of. You know who knows? Maybe Barack Obama actually has a body double. And uh, have they have they possibly? No, no, any... it's only me. No one else. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, if if nothing else, Barack Obama has created one job in this country. You know, you should be getting all the stimulus money. Oh, man, he's been stimulating my bank account in ways, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'll never know. There but, you go. Uh, no, it, like I said, it is because it has been a hard struggle, and this is the first year we're finally breaking clear of, you know, sure. we're finally starting to see the profit roll in, which is good, because for a lot of artists out there, it is hard, and I'm just glad that I had my opportunity to uh, catch the spotlight, and, you know, now people all over know what I do, and it's been very well received, and you know, we're we're having a lot of fun. Actually, tonight I'm performing out here at the Hollywood Improv on stage. You know, they have a showcase. I'm coming out doing a few minutes in between Sarah Colonna from Chelsea Lately, Nick wow. Stone, Yvonne Conan, Joe Rogan's supposed to be there. So we're kicking off a comedy tour. We have a reality show coming up. We've got a stage show in D.C., so we're going to be killing it this year. Wow. 
Well, then, do, you, do we know the dates of the stage show in D.C.? No, we're, we're finalizing the script right now. We, uh, we got the um, venue pretty much locked down, which everyone, you can always um, follow me on Twitter at Reggie Brownski, B-R-O-W-N-S-K-I. Got my little Chicago Polish influence in there. <laughs> there you go. And uh, then uh, presidentialcomedy.com. And once we are able to tell you what's going on, we will tell you as soon as possible. Well, I, I, we, our, uh, our show, The Truth Squad TV, is going to be on air in Washington, D.C. as well. So I'll tell you what, we will definitely, when, when you know you're Washington, any dates that you have in, in D.C., we will uh, we'll have a camera there for sure. And uh, make sure that we. Uh, You're the man. Oh yeah. Look at you hooking it up. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll tell you something. I have to do that for a fellow Chicagoan, right? Appreciate it. Yeah. And while I am still on, I do want to say hi to my mom, Jane Brown. She's been with the post office for 33 years, wow. working her butt off for everyone. So yeah. I got to give my mom some love. There you right go. Now. <laughs> there you go. You see, you are a good guy. You are a Midwestern guy, a Chicago guy. I am. But um, so now, like growing up in Chicago, did how did that? Like, how did wh- when did that actually like all click for you when you realized that hey, you know, you bear a, a striking resemblance to the president who is from well, older, the South Side, you know? Oh yeah, my older brother Lawrence, he, he was the first one to tell me, you know, like ten years ago, I looked like the guy I worked out at his gym, and then the same week I heard, wow, he looked like my professor, you know, he wrote her name down or the name down, I googled him and saw a couple of pictures, and then it kind of, you know, leveled off. I didn't hear anything for a while, but once he became a senator, I worked at China Grill on North Michigan Avenue uh, at the Hard Rock Hotel, Sure. and his office was on South Michigan, so all the people would come and break for lunch, come down, and, oh, my God, you look so much like I'm going to tell him about you, this and that, and, I mean, it happened hundreds of times, and I actually told people I was related to him in the beginning. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm his uh, nephew, you know, just joking around. And then right. people would come in to meet Barack Obama's nephew, and I'm like, all right, I'm sorry, I lied. You know? <laughs> I'm not related. And uh, then, you know, as he started running for president, I'm not kidding you, everyone, every single day would come up and say, you look just like him. And wow. I was just like, all right, my best friend, Dan Blaggett, she's like, you have to do something with this, Reg. So I got a couple of my friends together, um, cameraman Tiago Lima. He's actually um, been a prop guy in Chicago. He's hilarious. He shot it for me. We put it up on the Internet. Next day, it would caught international news. And next week, I was flying to Palm Springs to sign a contract. And my life pretty much changed uh, ever since. Well, Reggie, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. You're awesome. We'll see you Thank in you. Chicago July 14th. We'll see you on True Squad TV and uh, go to uh, kellytruesquad.com to find, uh, we'll link up with Reggie and all of his activities. Thank you, Reggie. Thanks a lot, you guys. I don't care if it's standard fair to them on beaches, only rap until you pick it up with mine. You're doing fine. You're doing Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, shifting gears just a little bit, Brian, from uh, Reggie Brown, the preeminent Barack Obama impersonator in the entire world that we know of. Unless, of course, Barack Obama has a body double. He might. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. You know, um, but uh, but anyway, but we'll, we'll never know the answer to that question. 
That's uh, that's the top secret stuff right there. It's one there. of those things they tell you 50 years from now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 50 years from now, I will be like, I knew it. I knew it. I know. But, uh, but so be it. that's okay. Uh, anyway, enough of that. We are back. And uh, we, uh, you know what's really exciting? We're going to have uh, Reggie on the first episode of Truth Squad TV, which we are in full production. He's going to come out for a uh, for the Below the Beltway segment. Uh, we're on the streets of Chicago. Uh, Reggie Brown, Chicago native. But uh, like I said, shifting gears a little bit here, we are we're going to talk about some serious issues, okay? Because that's um, you know we we had the capacity to do that: humor, serious, cultural. Uh, charitable, you know, we, we do it all. And, um, and you know something, we don't just read you the news. If you want to, if you want somebody to read you the newspaper, listen to some of those other radio shows. Okay. We make you part of the news. Okay. We, we actually will invite you to become part of the news. And, uh, and if, and, and just in case you someday become part of the news in a way that eh, maybe isn't, uh, so incredibly productive, you're going to need an attorney. Okay, and the single best attorney that uh, that I, the, the 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 single best attorney that you would want to call is our next guest, Joel Brodsky. Joel, are you there? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Did the check clear? <laughs> How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How are you? You know something? I'm very very happy to have you on the show and to have your phone number saved into my cell phone because if if anything if if you if you ever get a phone call from me in the middle of the night, you know it is not good, right? <laughs> No, anything anything after eleven o'clock is usually bad news. Wow, you know, I, I listened to now. You've got a few clients that uh, are in the news. Uh, any that you want to mention off uh, just uh, off the top? Uh, of well, the- other than Mr. Bachelor, the one you're calling me about, uh, you know, I got <laughs> I actually uh, Dosa Freyas, uh, 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 David Lawson, who was in the, uh, and, and and everybody knows Bill, uh, Drew Peterson. Obviously. Drew Peterson is yeah. a client is a client of yours as well. And um, you know, when I when I first called. Your number. It said that you, um, you know, if if it's urgent, to specify if it's urgent. Now, I would imagine that every single person that calls you, it's uh, for them, it is truly life or death urgent. Is that a fair assessment? No, I'm not. I mean, not the other lawyers or the state's attorneys or the, you know the, the police or anybody else. But for the clients, it's certainly. Uh, you know, it's an important episode in their lives. Sure. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, it's, you know, some of the things are, are, are life-changing ch- uh, events. Some are, you know, less serious. Like, you know, DUI's never going to make anybody, you know, nobody's going to prison for the rest of their life in a DUI. But it's still, an, you know, it's an it's a, uh, important event in their life, without question. For sure, for sure. And um, your most recent client to be on the news uh, is a gentleman, uh, last name Bachelor, which um, one of the newscasters really got uh, very, very discombobulated uh, and kept referring to him as a bachelor. A bachelor. A bachelor. <laughs> uh, was a bachelor was de- denied uh, his uh, gun license today because he was a bachelor. No, he was not a bachelor. He is Mr. Bachelor, right? That's right, Laferno Bachelor. And um, and now, as uh, just to kind of bring people up to speed, we in the city of Chicago now have uh, the right to bear arms, so to speak, uh, limited, albeit in your home, for uh, for safety uh, purposes. If you f- go through all the the class and get your FOID card, etc. And uh, and uh, but uh, and now your client, um, Mr. Bachelor, he he did all of those things and he was denied. Why? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because 15 years ago, uh, he violated a, a city ordinance that says you can't discharge your weapon within the city limits. He was on his own property with a legal gun, and uh, he was there was a, some wild dogs in his backyard, and he discharged the gun into the ground a couple times to scare them off. Right. Which, you know, it wasn't illegal to have a firearm or, or take it on your property. It was a legal firearm, and... Uh, and rather than you know fight it, he's he pled guilty. Huh. To a mis- it's a traffic ticket, an ordinance offense. It wasn't okay. even a, a criminal offense. It was an ordinance offense, and he paid a fifty dollar fine. Huh. And now, fifteen years later, they're saying that he cannot have uh, a firearm or he can't legally own a firearm and protect himself in the city uh, because of that, which is ridiculous. So this guy is a veteran. He was born. I found out that he was both in World War II and Korea what? in the Navy. Are you kidding me? He fought in both wars. I mean, he was telling me some of the places he was at when I was meeting him. He was, he went, he was in most of the island. He was, he was in the Navy at Okinawa, Peleliu, uh Tarawa. I mean, bat, I think battles where were, you know, Iwo Jima, battles that were just, you know, life and death. Right. And then they, he just survived, went home. When Korea came, he got called up again. He went and served his country in Korea. So he's obviously a guy who knows how uh, to operate uh, a gun safely, number Absolutely. one. Absolutely. He's obviously a guy who who was not interested in breaking any laws because otherwise he never would have even gone to try to get a permit for the gun. He would have simply had it. Well, that's exactly true. And he's he kept saying he says, you know the, he tells he said the the kids in the neighborhood. He lives in a fairly rough neighborhood in the city. Um, and he says well, the kids in the neighborhood all got guns and they don't register them. How come the city's making me a criminal to you know to, to defend myself? Joel, you know something. Once once again, you have just asked a question. One of these questions. I, someday I'm just going to write a book of all of these eternal questions that are seem seemingly inexplicable. Okay, and what what is it that what 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 part of this are the politicians not understanding? That you have criminals who have guns, and then you have law-abiding citizens who want to have a gun legally to protect themselves from criminals who have guns, and they and so and 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 they are being told the law-abiding citizens now are being told that they cannot possess a gun uh, to defend themselves. What 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 am I not understanding here? Because I, I it's very possible that maybe I maybe I don't understand something. Please tell me. I, I tell you, I've been—I have two cases now involving the city gun ordinance. One is this gentleman who uh, was denied the right to uh, uh, register four uh, rifles that he has. They said they were assault rifles, and they're clearly not assault rifles. They're—they're they're not, and we're fighting that too. Um, the city just doesn't want—you know—is trying to avoid the Supreme Court case, the McDonald's and Heller, and just trying to get around there. But what I couldn't understand, what I've so been thinking a lot about it lately, and and I'm. I can't understand why anybody would be against, you know, people owning guns. Right. Like every city, every statistic, every time, every city you look at, from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, you know, this is a prime example. You know, Florida, down in Florida, every city that is a, that's allowed its citizens to own weapons in their home or can have concealed carry. Right. Crime has dropped. Drastically, I think I heard in I heard in Phoenix, Arizona, that burglaries, armed robberies, and sexual assaults went down forty percent overnight when they allowed concealed carry. 
Well, then you know what that basically Why says. Why would somebody not want guns in the hands of citizens? I don't understand. Well, that. I hate to say this, Joel, but logically, if you if you were from like maybe another planet or something, and somebody said, uh, you know, basically gave the facts that you just gave, the the only conclusion that they could possibly come to is that the government wants these people, these these uh, these law-abiding people, to be the victims of crime. That would be, but I, obviously, I know, I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting that. But what other possible explanation is there? Well, it's so, it's you know it certainly sounds that way. I mean, it may it comes down to I don't know control. I have control. no idea. You know uh, what? You're right. You got it. You know, it. people, you can't. You know, they're afraid. Well, I think a government should be afraid of its population, but you know, uh, control. I really I cannot understand it. Uh, I really can't. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense uh, in any way you examine it. Right. As to why the uh, why a government would not why a city why an administration would not want its citizens legal you know law abiding citizens yes. to be armed it makes no sense. Ah, Joel, you know it, it it really really hurts, and um, I know that we have a new police chief in town. I actually it's the superintendent uh, is his position. I th- I think I got the police chief thing from watching uh, Batman when I was a kid. So he's not he's not actually the police chief. He is the superintendent of police, Gary yeah, McCarthy, right. and this guy comes out. He was speaking at Saint Sabina Church. Have you have you seen the video? Yeah, I, I saw it. I was got I got a great laugh out of it. Well, I mean, it, it's just it's very, very, very disconcerting to me. Uh, you know, as a as a citizen of Chicago, actually as a lifelong citizen of Chicago and a law abiding one at that. Um, um, you know, it's just disconcerting to me to hear a, a superintendent of police spouting this kind of psychobabble. You would think that uh, you know that you would just simply hear from an activist of some kind or another. Uh, you know, or a professor, but uh, but to actually hear a police chief, you know, a, a, a superintendent of police, uh, you know, saying the, these things, you know, it really it makes me wonder what's going to happen with with the, with the future of this law. Can you stick around for one more segment so we can uh, discuss that? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joel. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, we don't just read you the news. We make you part of the news. And we've got a real newsmaker on the line with us right now, defense attorney Joel Borowski. Joel, are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I know you are in crazy demand in this. Uh, in this We're uh, busy, but it's okay. Yes, know. indeed. Uh, have any of your clients called you during the commercial break? Not, no, they yeah. haven't. Any I urgent? guess they're all the way on the 4th of July weekend getting into trouble. There you go. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, when, when Before we went to break here, we, we, we made reference to the new uh, superintendent of police here in Chicago and some comments that he made recently. If uh, Brian, could you play those comments so people have a, under, a reference for what we're talking about? So here's what I want to tell you. See, let's see if we can make a connection here. Slavery. Segregation, black codes, Jim Crow. What, what do they all have in common? Anybody getting scared? <laughs> Government-sponsored racism. What the heck is that guy talking about? What is it about St. Sabina Church that makes white men start talking crazy? That's what I, I want to sound know. like a Baptist preacher. <laughs> you know, I just don't get it. Uh, you, know, you, know what, uh, you know what I'm afraid of, Joel? And then you tell me all these decades of, oh, my God, what, you know, this uh, sensitivity training has taken a toll on law enforcement in America. 
And, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you would expect from an activist. This is the kind of stuff that you would expect from a professor. But from an Irish cop? What? You know, I'm an Irish I, I'm an Irish Catholic from the south side of Chicago. I never thought in a million years, and I know that this guy's not from the south side of Chicago, he's, uh, but, but I never thought in a million years I would ever hear an Irish police officer talking like that. I, I'm so, I, well, he, he went on in that clip to say that, you know, federal gun laws are also, a, you know, a racist. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, uh, you know uh, laws, and it's, it's just insane because look at my client, um, you know, uh, Mr. Bachelor. He's, right. he's a black man, 84 years old, living in a bad neighborhood who wants to protect himself. I mean, he wants a gun to protect himself. It's just the opposite of, of what this this uh, the chief McCarthy was uh, superintendent McCarthy was saying exactly he's you know he, uh, and I don't understand why you know from why we have to keep going outside Chicago to get our superintendents right there are great captains there are great officers captains commanders in this city police exactly. commanders they could easily be promoted to superintendent why do we got to go outside to Jody Weiss or, or McCarthy why can't we find somebody from Chicago? Well, maybe, you know, maybe the answer is more, there's more to it than we realize. You know, maybe they just can't find an actual, a man who's actually walked the, the streets of Chicago for more than a day, um, who isn't, go, who, who isn't going to be, uh, who isn't going to play along with Rahm Emanuel's, uh, you know, idea of law enforcement. You know, maybe that maybe that's what it is. They actually have to get somebody from outside of Chicago to come here, you know, and go and go along with this nonsense. Well, I don't know if it's about Rahm Emanuel. I think that uh, you know they, they always try to say you know that uh, you know we want somebody outside because we don't want anybody to come up that's been entangled with any corruption or anything, which is <laughs> ridiculous. We have a great police force in this right. city. You know, you mostly you know they're they're obviously bad apples in any bunch, but for the the majority of the cops are are, are pretty good, hardworking guys trying to do a difficult job, and. Um, they uh, and, and you know, honest. There's no reason we can't find uh, somebody in off, from the officer corps of the city police to be our be our commissioner who knows all the players, who knows all the the, the little ins and outs of the city. Sure, do a good job. Well, um, we have uh, sent an email to uh, Superintendent Mc, uh, Catastrophe to come on the show and, and explain these comments of his. I'd love um, to hear that. You know, the weird thing about it is, you know, we'll, we'll either get to him uh, later in the show or I'll read the email that I, we just sent him. But uh, either way, uh, we are going, you know, we're not going to just talk about somebody without giving them a chance to respond. But I would like to hear just the logic behind a, what he had to say. Because if it's government-sponsored racism, last time I checked, the current president of the United States is a former senator from the south side of Chicago named Barack Obama. Is McCarthy accusing Barack Obama of some form of, of racist policy here? I, I, it just doesn't make sense. It was the Supreme Court with only eight whites, and, well, actually one Hispanic, seven whites, one Hispanic, and, and one, one uh, African-American who approved the uh, Heller and McDonald cases that allowed guns to come in this city. So how right. how is that racist? The, the whole thing just doesn't make. He obviously wasn't thinking. Huh. <laughs> his mouth was running ahead of his head. Man, oh man! When, when he made that statement, well, no question it, about it. And it is very, very, very. I guess you could say. I, I think um, potentially incendiary to go to the South Side of Chicago and to and to really play that that card. You know, in, in front of that audience. Um, you know, who knows how, you know, that kind of nonsense could be somehow misinterpreted and misapplied and, and 
put into action uh, by somebody who thinks that now they they have the uh, the green light from the superintendent of police, you know, to go yeah, out. Absolutely. It's um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's a very, very. It's it's very disturbing. You know, as somebody who lives in Chicago, who who reads the newspaper every day and sees you know one crime committed after another uh, by people who clearly are not obeying any gun laws uh, whatsoever or any any law. Now, now, what? How do you think uh, your your client, uh, Mr. Bachelor's case, will ultimately be? Well, what, what, when's the next court day? How how can we well, follow we, this we, case? Well, we had our hearing. Uh, a challenge, we had a hearing, an administrative hearing. At, okay. At, uh, um, not a court hearing, but an administrative hearing, uh, challenging the denial. Yes. Uh, the judge had said, uh, the hearing officer, not really a judge, uh, said they had three days uh, to make the decision. So it was yesterday. We should hear, hopefully we'll hear tomorrow or, or on Tuesday after the 4th. Okay. As to what the decision is. If they go against Mr. Batchelor, we'll immediately file an appeal Got with it. the circuit court, go to a circuit court judge, and ask that uh, he be given his gun permit because... You know, there two reasons. One, he, I don't think he even violated the strict terms of the state of the ordinance. But right. that, look at you. Every there's a principle law that says that every statute, every ordinance has to have common sense written, kind of uh, in it. Yes. And um, you know, otherwise it's arbitrary and capricious. And an arbitrary and capricious law is unconstitutional. It's a violation of due process. So we're going to say that, that for this minor offense, 15 years ago, to ban somebody from a fundamental constitutional right, the Second Amendment, right. that the Supreme Court has said is a fundamental right, to bar them for something so minor so long ago is just arbitrary and capricious. And I can't see a, a, any judge, a circuit judge, uh, denying, uh, you know, agreeing with that. And if we have to, we'll go to the appellate court. Uh, but I hope we don't have to go there. Well, Joel, I, I just have to say, first of all, I, I truly appreciate you taking the, taking up uh, Mr. Bachelor's case. I hope he uh, has his Second Amendment's rights respected. I hope that we don't have a tragedy on our hands because I know that he has been the victim of various uh, harassment in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And if he and, and imagine if he is somehow uh, taken uh, be, becomes the victim of a crime while he is being prevented by our city government from actually being able to defend himself of that crime. Well, I'm not going to uh, say that uh, Mr. Patchler is on I'm not going to say that he's armed either, because I don't want you know, I'm not going to admit that he's violating the law. I certainly wouldn't. But if I was some gangbanger thinking about going into Mr. Batchelor's house tonight, I would think twice. Got it. <laughs> Joel, you are, you know what? I uh, I have to say, I, I hope that you, I, I am never a client of yours. As much as I, but if I ever need a defense well, attorney. I got to earn a living too, man. I got to eat. Come on. Well, if I, if I ever need a defense attorney, um, I, I hope that it, it will be you. But, uh, well, but I, you. but I, but I would prefer if you were just a regular guest of the show and not, and not an actual, well, then uh, just, you know, just give out my, uh, my, uh, my phone number, so does anybody else in trouble? <laughs> you know what? Hit me. You're not going to get in trouble. Hit, well, he, uh, give us your number. It's a 312-541-7000, and it's a 24-hour number. And if uh, unfor- if you unfortunately get in trouble with the law or think you're about to, two things. Don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. And call a lawyer. There you go. Very good advice. I uh, I will definitely make sure that I I I, I uh, abide by at least the second one. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you so you much. much. We'll see you soon. Superstar,
that I've learned from this whole experience is to uh, try to speak a little bit less. So I'm going to keep my remarks kind of short. Patty and I obviously are very disappointed uh, in the outcome. I, frankly, am, am stunned. Um, there's not much left to say other than uh, we want to get home to our little girls and, uh, and, and talk to them and explain things to them and, and then try to sort things out. Um, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you guys again. Governor, did you get Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, where we don't just read you the news. We make you part of the news, uh, whether you like it or not. So uh, you better keep your defense attorney's uh, phone number handy, okay? I know I've got my defense attorney, Joel Brodsky. He's he's right there in my cell phone. And uh, hopefully he'll just be a regular guest and not an actual uh, attorney of mine. But uh, but he he's a great guy, wouldn't you say, Brian? The best. I hope I don't need him ever, but he's also in my BlackBerry now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, uh, I don't know what it is about defense attorneys. You know, it's kind of like uh, like a cardiologist. You know, they're the, you know, you want you want them to be your friend. You just don't ever actually want to have to need their services. You know what I'm saying? But um, but if you do, if you do need the services of a uh, defense attorney, Joel Bradsky, that would be the guy that you would want to call. And um, hey. We are back, and maybe Joel Brodsky is the guy that Rod Blagojevich should have called. Maybe Rod Blagojevich would be uh, running for real, uh, would actually be uh, reviving his political career today instead of uh, making uh, preparations to head back for a sentencing hearing on 17 counts. Okay, that's hardcore right there. And um, I'm thinking... I'm thinking you just don't want to be governor of Illinois. That's kind of, that's the, that, that is the sad, the sad truth. You know what I mean? And uh, we have a guy who, who can really just make sense of all of this for us. He is uh, a featured columnist for uh, Breitbart, all of the Breitbart.com. And um, uh, he's a good friend, a friend of the show, uh, Warner Todd Huston. Warner, are you there? I am here. Hello, truth squadians or truth squatters. <laughs> what, what do you call? What do you call? Well, you know, it's the truth squad, and uh, there you go. And and the reason for that, as as I'm sure you know, is is I can't do it all by myself, Warner. You know, I've tried. Right. I, I, I've tried, and 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 I, I go out there, and I'm I'm uh, you know running for comptroller, whatever the hell that is. I'm, uh, you know, I'm uh, trying to you know uh, uh, challenge Rahm Emanuel's residency, and uh, they just laugh at me. Yeah, so so what I decided was I was going to actually uh, form uh, the the Truth Squad, uh, and and I hope that you will be uh, very active in this, kind of like a, like the Justice League of America. Okay, you know I'm not asking you to pay any dues or anything. I'm just asking you to you know just kind of be on call for any big uh, news stories that might because uh, I know you're on them. I know that you. Are, are a guy who you, you're like you're like the guy who the second a, a big story breaks, boom, you've got you you post something right away. Yeah, that is true. I'm uh, kind of on top of it if I can be. Yes, indeed. Uh, but I, I have to say that uh, I, I sort of slacked on uh, our topic for this evening. Uh, 
uh, I, of course, kept up on the Blagojevich trial, but sure. I just couldn't get the heart to write much about it because it was just so ridiculous. I mean, right. everything about it was ridiculous. That, and you know what? And, and the, there, that is very, very true. But I also think that that was part of the defense. Uh, not only Blago's defense, but the president's defense and Rahm Emanuel's defense and uh, probably every other uh, elected Democrat uh, in the state of Illinois. And uh, for right. people, uh, you know, listening around the country saying, well, that's a highly partisan comment to make. Well, that's because the reason I said every other elected Democrat in the state of Illinois is because Illinois is a one party state. OK, uh, which proves that if you, you know, power corrupts and, and if you only have one party, if the people of Illinois don't have a choice and this most recent remap here um, has just guaranteed that that'll be the case for another at least 10 years, which I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that we can survive and, another. And isn't yeah. it interesting, Bill, uh, how <laughs> how the previous governor that went to jail, who was a Republican, sure, uh, basically torpedoed the Republican Party, uh, who knows, maybe for the next decade. Right. But this governor going to jail, who's a Democrat, has seemed to have had no effect at all on the Democrat Party in this state. They right. seem to have lost not one bit of cachet, not one bit of seriousness. I mean, how does that work? Well, you know, first of all, they've got, obviously, a, a uh, an accommodating media, the Democrats do. Uh, and exactly. that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons why we launched the Truth Squad, you know, is because as a former Republican candidate myself, in the interest of full disclosure here, I ran statewide in Illinois as a, as a Republican candidate oh. for Illinois Comptroller, open the books, expose the insider deals, uh, balance the budget. That was my platform. And, uh, and what happened was I, I discovered that the media didn't want to hear any of it. Okay. Uh, you know, despite the fact that I was out there talking about how these pensions and, and how the, obviously the taxes and the corruption was, uh, was going to destroy our state. It wasn't even from a partisan, uh, you know, perspective. It was just from the perspective of somebody who loves, his, his city, his state, his country. And uh, so after that experience, I realized, well, there's only really one way for me to, to really make a difference here, and that's to, is to take over the media, not just to join the media or to enter the media, but to literally take it over. And I didn't even realize how easy that would be because there's, first of all, with all the social media, all, uh, you know, obviously you go to, uh, you know, kellytruthsquad.com, you see, you know, the Facebook and the Twitter and the RSS feed and the, and the YouTube and everything else. Uh, and you'll see that people are desperately looking for an alternative to the mainstream media. They want the truth. Okay. And uh, they can handle the truth to paraphrase. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, the truth is you're being way too uh, humble here. Uh, Warner, you, you did write, uh, uh, a piece um, uh, on on this Blagojevich, um, you know, verdict, verdict. The ultimate, you know, now that we actually have the case, the actual case behind us, and sentencing is is uh, is 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 yet to come. What do you think is going to be the next step here? Well, most certainly he's going to appeal. Okay, I mean, you know, that's that's sort of a given, wouldn't you think? Yes, but uh, I don't think he's going to win on his appeal. I think uh, the, uh, Fitzgerald and the crew did a good enough job that uh, he's going to serve time. Um, after all, look at look what's happening to Ryan. He, he he hasn't even been able to get out for hardship. Right. So I, I think they definitely 
uh, are looking at at putting him behind bars, uh, and 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 he won't probably get any breaks on that. I wouldn't think. Well, uh, found guilty, seventeen counts of corruption. I think that if he gets the maximum, that's uh, what five hundred and thirty-two years. So uh, <laughs> what? Uh, he's already gotten five. If we don't forget, I mean that previous right. the previous trial, uh, he he was sentenced to five years. So you know, let's not forget that he's already got that sentence to serve. You know what? That is right, Warner. Um, and uh, here's uh, here's what I'd like to talk about. You know, some of the you know what is really next uh, for the Democrat Party. Uh, what what a lot of people around the country are starting to wake up to and realize is that the city of Chicago is integral to the president's reelection. That's why his chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, just uh, got elected uh, uh, mayor or appointed mayor of the city of Chicago. Um, I'd like to talk to you, get your expertise. Uh, if you can stick around for one more segment, we've got uh, Warner Todd Huston from uh, Breitbart.com on the line and much more to come. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and we are uh, joined by Warner Todd Huston, who is uh, who you'll actually get a chance to see. You'll you'll see Warner and, and the legendary Brian McCarthy and myself, William Kelly, on 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 Truth Squad TV. We are in full production, and uh, we'll have all the latest right there at uh, KellyTruthSquad.com. Uh, you can even click on the the YouTube channel and see some of the some of the graphics for the various segments that we're going to be doing the below the beltway, the mudslingers, the uh, Bill on the street uh, segments. But um, but but right now, I guess this would qualify as one of the below the beltway segments. We are talking about former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, blah blank 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 Blagojevich. Uh, he uh, he he's a guy who almost has become somewhat of a, a sympathetic character, if not a, a, a comedic character. But there's nothing funny about being convicted of 17 uh, counts of corruption. My God, that's not uh, there's nothing good about that. Uh, going to prison, you don't want to do that uh, un, uh, under any circumstances. That's, um, that, that is not the place that you want to be, especially if your original plan was to be president of the United States. Okay. Uh, that, that that to me that would that would seem to be kind of really the the hard the hard thing for Blagojevich to be dealing with right now. Warner, are you there? I am here. You know that that's the thing is that Blagojevich, like every politician, uh, but you know certainly I think in his case he believed that he would one day become president of the United States. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, that was definitely his plan. I yeah. mean, how many times did? Uh, did the news media uh, speculate on that? I mean, and and just look at the trajectory of his career. I yes. mean, he jumped from place to place to place, and his his entire goal was to always get to the next level, as right. opposed to serving the people. It was all about Rod. Always was about Rod. Mm, what so a lesson! I, I agree, hundred percent. He tar- he was targeting the White House big time. And I think that what, you know where, where he became unhinged was when Barack Obama became president. He realized, you know, that's where it seemed like things really just went wrong, you know, went wrong in his head because he realized that he was he was now 
you know, he had been, he, he was out maneuvered, you know, that, you know, we weren't going to go for you. We weren't going to somehow have a president Blagojevich from Illinois, uh, you know, challenging Barack Obama, uh, in 2012, we weren't going to have a, a, a president Blagojevich, you know, a, a Republican or excuse me, an Illinois, a Democrat governor, you know, succeeding, uh, following Barack Obama, uh, you know, to the, with the, you know, the political cycles and pendulums being the way they are. I think he just, re, you know, what, I think he just felt, you know, he became unhinged to see this, this South side Senator Barack Obama leapfrog over him. And he was no longer the, the, the leader of the party here in Illinois. And, and, uh, he, his relationships with his own father-in-law, uh, who, you know, for people around the country who don't know is a Chicago you know, political Democrat, uh, political uh, machine heavyweight, um, you know, his relationship with all the other, you know, Democrats, uh, Rahm Emanuel in particular, and Rahm Emanuel, who went from being Barack Obama's chief of staff, now currently the mayor of the city of Chicago. Do you feel that this court, that this case and the, and the, the ensuing media somehow skipped to something uh, in relation to Rahm Emanuel's role in all of this? Well, first of all, I, I can't say that uh, Rod Blagojevich was ever the head of the Democrat Party in Illinois. <laughs> in his uh, own, in his own mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Madigan definitely did not pay any attention to him whatsoever. Right. But, but I agree with you uh, in your statement that uh, uh, when Barack Obama became president, it threw, uh, it threw Rod for a loop, because I, I think he thought he was on the fast track. And uh, when, when Bar- Obama leapfrogged him like that, I, I, uh, I think it sent him into a tailspin. And then you put on top of that the changing uh, laws on funding. Yes. Uh, I, I think it really sent him way over the edge uh, in this whole thing. But as far as Rahm Emanuel goes, I mean, uh, I, I think that Rod also saw that Rahm sneaking in, you know, uh, back into town. Because and, and, remember, the talk about Rahm becoming mayor right. of Chicago is almost two years old now. Yes. You know, so there was hints of that uh, even before it became public, more public knowledge. So I, I think Rod had had seen the writing on the wall, and I, I think it, it threw him for a loop. Yeah, so, and there's no doubt know, about it. You know, I, uh, yeah, I, you know, Rahm is obviously Barack Obama's guy, and right. I don't think that Blagojevich, you know, Blagojevich was Barack Obama's rival. <laughs> you know, he wasn't his. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't his guy. And you know, if Blagojevich was like a super savvy politician to the. I mean, to the extreme where he could literally rewire his own brain like at will, what he would have done when Barack Obama became president would have been to just say, Mr. President, whatever you need, you let me know. And then, and then from there on, uh, for, you know, Valerie Jarrett for the U.S. Senate, done. You know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever Barack Obama told him to do, he, would, he should have done. But it's kind of like the way I, I see it, uh, it's kind of like the, the Democrat Party in Chicago and you know, it's not even an analogy at this point. Some people would actually say that this is literally the truth. It's kind of like a, an organized crime family. And uh, Barack, uh, and, and our, our Blagojevich was kind of like the next in line. He was the chauffeur. He thought for sure that he was going to be the next, the, he was going to be the next made man, you know, the, the, the next wise guy, whatever. Uh, well, you know the yeah. old Chicago thing. Yeah. Uh, we don't want nobody, nobody sent. Right. And... And Rod was nobody that nobody said. Yeah, he was on the outside looking at. He 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 he, and he kind of did that to himself, uh, because you know when he didn't 
get with the, you know, kind of like fall in line behind Barack Obama. He still thought, you know, he was still acting like he was calling the shots in Illinois. Um, you know, and, and I personally believe that he was not removed from office because he was corrupt. I believe that he was yanked from the governor's office because he wasn't corrupt enough. Okay. He, <laughs> well, that's possible. Yeah. He, he was yanked because Rahm Emanuel said, you know what? This guy is trying to pull a Rahm Emanuel on me? I don't think so. I don't think well, so. Let's, let's, let's maybe put it this way. Maybe he was uh, not corrupt, not successfully corrupt, right. not properly corrupt, right. because he didn't, he didn't have all the right people lined up with him. Right. And, uh, and you see, you know, what, what people around the country, again, probably don't realize is that, uh, is that you know, Rahm Emanuel played along with, uh, with the rise of, uh, of you know, Kid Blagojevich because Rahm Emanuel needed uh, Dick Mel's help. You know, the mayor, you know, Rahm Emanuel was always, uh, you know, in with Mayor Daley, the former mayor of the city of Chicago. So he was like, okay, fine. You know, I'm going to play along with, you know, this, this nitwit Blagojevich. But, uh, but, you know, what, 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 what happened was Rahm, you know, goes off. He's the, the, you know, the chief of staff to the president. He obviously knows, you know, 20 steps ahead before anyone else that he is going to run for mayor and he's going to win. And, uh, and, and this Blagojevich nitwit is just, you know, running around, uh, trying to grab headlines is only, is just, it's just going to screw it up. It's going to, they, they didn't want him there for, for the, for the president's reelection campaign. They wanted him out. And, uh, and and, and, and let's face it, uh, Blagojevich's entire uh, career as governor was just an attempt to grab headlines at every turn. He right. never worked with the legislature for any of it. Remember the the, the, the kids' uh, insurance program he he, uh, he did? Uh, yeah. he, he basically just came on TV and announced it. He hadn't worked with the legislator to create any such program. He just comes on TV and says, hey, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and everyone's looking at him like, what? You know, so he, he yeah. really had no capability at all to, to work as a real politician. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it, it's truly amazing. They, they um, yeah, I, I, I would, I think that what happened where there with that, uh, that U.S. Senate seat, which was really kind of the sexy headline that, that grabbed all the attention, was... You know, Rahm Emanuel made it clear. This is my opinion, opinion allegedly, allegedly, allegedly that that Rahm, uh, you know, that the president wanted uh, Valerie Jarrett. And when Ra- and when Blagojevich thought he was going to pull a Rahm Emanuel on Rahm Emanuel and say, "Yeah, well, here's what I want in return," that's when he ran afoul. He he crossed the line, and they they knew that they had to whack him to use kind of the mafia term. But in Chicago politics, they don't actually kill you; they uh, they indict you, <laughs> and uh, right. and that's uh, that's kind of uh, my theory, my take on the whole thing. And if you can uh, stick around for uh, one more segment, I'd like to kind of talk about what I think is is next is coming up in 2012. Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and uh, we have on the line Warner Todd Huston. He is uh, 
uh, with, you can read him on Breitbart.com. He's a friend of the show. We're talking Blagojevich, below the Beltway segment. Thank you for listening. Uh, Warner, are you still there? I'm here. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you something. And um, I, I think that this whole Blagojevich thing was, was intentionally made out, made into a joke by the Chicago media because every aspect of these 17 counts that he was found guilty of now were, you know, have, have can be directly, uh, t- uh, you know, tied to Rahm Emanuel, can be, uh, brought, can be tied to President Barack Obama. Um, any one of these counts is bigger than anything that happened in Watergate. And yet the Chicago media... Uh, you know, instead of doing what the, what the reporters did in Watergate, which was, you know, follow the money, follow the story, you know, make the connections, uh, connect the dots. They refused to connect the dots. They did everything in their power not to connect the dots because to, again, to use that, you know, kind of mafia parlance here, they are on the take. Okay. They're they're They know that their careers are their jobs. Their upward mobility is on the line here. They, they're not interested in getting the Pulitzer that would certainly go to the kid, to the, to the journalists that connected all the dots and brought down a president. Okay. They're interested in keeping their job going to, you know, going to the, um, you know, going to that, uh, you know, going to that office and, uh, and being able to basically just rewrite whatever press release Rahm Emanuel or Barack Obama sends them, um, you know, but you know, to a certain extent, that's that's an opportunity for guys like you and me who want to, you know, to report the truth. You know, for people who actually have an appetite for it. That's true. I mean, I have to agree. They, the, the media, especially here in Chicago, yes, uh, completely ended every story at Rod Blagojevich's doorstep. They, right. They did not investigate any further at all. They didn't look into the Resco situation. They didn't. Right. I mean, there's so many aspects of this that they completely ignored. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and even like with, you know, obviously Rahm Emanuel, uh, you know, the, this, you know, the, he was he, he was the one who brought Valerie Jarrett's name to uh, to Blagojevich. He's a, but but you know he Barack Obama, the president, uh, you know, needs needed Rahm Emanuel to be. Uh, to be mayor of the city of Chicago for one reason and one reason alone, and that is for his reelection campaign in 2012. So the media, they were not about to connect the dots between, you know, like you said, uh, you know, Blagojevich, Rahm, uh, Rezko, President Obama. They weren't going to they weren't going to go there because uh, they knew that the fix was in in, in a way that only Chicago, uh, a Chicago resident uh, would know or a reporter would know that Rahm. Well, Rum was, 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 you know, he was going to be the next mayor. And if you want to live in this town, much less, re, you know, be a reporter in this town, you better, you, you better stick to the, the press release. Right. Well, and also remember one other Chicago uh, native that sort of got off the hook big time in this is Jesse Jackson Jr. Ah, exactly right. Remember his, uh, his uh, you know, sort of secondary story was his screwing around on his wife. Right, and uh, the media sort of you know blandly reported that, and then just let it go. Yes. So there's another guy uh, in the power structure that got let off the hook with this whole situation. Well, at least he didn't tweet a picture of it. 
That's what that would that might have that might have been, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, that that is truly you, you make a very, very good point on that count. But also uh, on the on the fact that he it was reported that there were that there was an uh, an Indian uh, financier businessman uh, who exactly. reportedly uh, allegedly uh, said to uh, Blagojevich, you know, I've got a million dollars here. If uh, that would uh, make uh, Jesse Jackson uh, a senator from Illinois, and um, right, and the media just and that's did... an, an, another thing that was completely, you know, barely touched on by the Chicago media, and certainly not touched on by the national media, but, but and uh, yeah. sort of swept under the rug. And think for a second, if that had been a Republican, that would have been the biggest story since Watergate. And and the truth of the oh, matter yeah. is that 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 in all reality, in all honesty. It is a bigger story than Watergate. Watergate was a third-rate burglary. I don't think anyone even realizes anymore what Watergate was. It was a it was a third-rate burglary that brings down you know uh, uh, a president. And then you've got you know here here in Illinois, you've got you know literally every single elected official is guilty, in my opinion, allegedly, allegedly of uh, you know of of at least of at least uh, something. What can I tell you? Yeah, I, I had to cover myself legally on that one. You know what I mean? Because because you know yeah, you I, need to call your defense attorney there. But. I better call Joel. Joel, I think I I think I said something on the radio. But uh, but here's the deal. Uh, you know, and not to mention the fact I don't know if you know this, but uh, we're taking on the superintendent of police here in Chicago. So I, I I'm in trouble no matter how you look at it. Now, uh, did you just uh, you know we we talked about that a little bit at the top of the show here, and and I and I did want to invite Superintendent uh, Gary McCarthy. Um, to uh, to be on the show to defend his comments that we played earlier, uh, I did send him this email. I said I would. Uh, my name is Bill Kelly. I write two columns for the Washington Times Communities, Breitbart.com, and American Spectator. Uh, you can find all that at KellyTrueSquad.com. I would like to give Superintendent Gary Mick catastrophe. Um, or McCarthy, excuse me, an opportunity to explain his remarks at St. Sabina Parish concerning government-sponsored racism, the NRA, and Sarah Palin on my radio show. Um, my super, my oh, I, I threw this in here. You, you'll appreciate this, uh, uh, Warner, because I because I know you, you know you'll appreciate the fact that I even plugged my column in my email to. Uh, uh, gov- uh, uh, Superintendent uh, McCarthy. My column on the superintendent's remarks is currently number one at the Washington Times. <laughs> Do you, had, did you get a chance, by the way, did you see the uh, the column uh, that I'm referring to uh, 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 there at the Washington Times in the accompanying video? Yeah, I sure did. Oh. Uh, I also posted on that on publishforum.com. Yes. And, uh, I mean, my, my whole... My whole point, especially about the Sarah Palin thing, was, yes. uh, you know, he claimed, if, if, for those of you who may not have seen it or heard it, I'll tell you he what, claimed we'll, we'll that play he the, was we'll... watching Sarah Palin's Alaska and saw her shooting a gun and got all upset about her uh, not being in Chicago when he was on patrol. And, uh, you know, but, but you know, well, I, Brian, I doubt hey. very sincerely he's ever seen an episode yeah. of Sarah Palin's hey, Alaska. Hey, Warner, I think uh, Brian has the clip, or at least and I was clip. walking through shell casings, bullets, spent bullets in the street. They were getting stuck in my shoes, and I said, you know what? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I went from one scene to the next, and by the time I got home, probably about 10, 30, 11 o'clock that night, snapped on the TV to relax for a few minutes, 
And what was on TV? Sarah Palin's Alaska. And she was caribou hunting and talking about the right to bear arms. Why wasn't she at the crime scene with me? What the heck? Hey, Warner, what is it about St. Sabina Church that I, I, makes I a white man? I Sarah Palin was a Chicago cop and needed to be yeah. on crime scene duty here in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm shocked at that, but I'm, I'm telling you, the guy is not telling the truth. This is all BS. He's never seen an episode of Sarah Palin. He hates the woman so bad. Why would he even spend two seconds uh, with that show on if he happened to even accidentally you know, right. buy it on, on, a, on a flipping through the channel. Well, you know, it absolutely blows my mind that this guy would go to a South Side church and play the race card like that because that, that is very, 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 very uh, irresponsible. I can understand, you know, a preacher. I can understand Father Flagger doing that or Reverend Wright, you know, Louis Farrakhan. But for the for the actual, you know, the actual superintendent of police, when we've got these flash mobs uh, attacking you know, people in downtown Chicago to go out there and play the race card like that, that could be so easily misunderstood and misapplied and put into, uh, you know, misdeeds. It's, um, I, 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 you know, I have a standing offer for the, for the superintendent to come on the show and Warner, as always, you are welcome back anytime. I want to have you on uh, truth squad TV, uh, more about that at Kelly If you would like to, uh, if you'd like to find out when and where you can watch that as well as join us for all of our, not just talk events and various other road trips, etc. My apologies again to PJ O'Rourke. Uh, we uh, were not able to get to his call, but we will uh, reschedule him for uh for the next episode of Kelly Truth Squad Week in Review, because it is never too early to start tainting the jury pool. That is the truth. And I'm William Kelly. Standard fare to them on beaches Only right until you pick it up and fly